This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hello and welcome to the latest offering of the Agenda here from the Blood Red Channel. I'm Guy Clark and we're here to look back on all the fallout from Saturday's Premier League action. The Reds continuing to ride high at the top of the Premier League. What's new there? Joining me is Joel Rabinowitz from Liverpool.com. And Joel, we'll get straight into it. Saturday's win at the Vitality preceded, well, the latest chapter in what's proving to be a balmy title charge <laughs> from the Reds. But it was a, a comprehensive win for Liverpool. Yeah, I go as far to say it's probably our most complete, controlled win of a season. Um, we haven't won an away game by more than a one-goal margin since the Burnley win, which is back in August. We won 3-0 there. Since then, it's all been two ones against Villa, Crystal Palace... Um, and it's been a real grinder to beat Sheffield United 1-0 with that kind of fortuitous goal by Wijnaldum and this was just there was never a single moment at which you kind of doubted Liverpool were going to win that game from the start they were pretty much camped in Bournemouth's final third um, didn't necessarily create loads in the first 20 minutes or so but as soon as that Cater goal goes in and oh, it was a Chamberlain one first wasn't it and then Cater they were just completely dominant and as much as Bournemouth are kind of in really bad form themselves Liverpool were just with seven changes to the team to beat Everton yeah. just looked like completely yeah rampant really throughout it could have been more than three but it, yeah it was by far the most comfortable win we've had for a while I'd say and one of the funny things that's sort of been going around the office the last couple of weeks is how Liverpool on or were on the verge obviously they did it against Everton and now 33 games unbeaten on the verge of this club record of unbeaten games in terms of a league campaign but then on the flip side the run of how long it was going without keeping a clean sheet. You go back to, I think it's September the 28th, the 1-0 win at Sheffield United. Yeah, that was the last one. Liverpool before. finally have another clean sheet. Yeah, forgotten what it feels like, which is so strange because they were just so routine at this point last season. Like we, I think we'd, we'd only conceded five goals by the time we went to Burnley around this time last season and then conceded there, got the sixth. But yeah, it's nice to have that record gone and get the clean sheet. We still haven't kept one at Anfield, which is just... Bizarre. Um, that's the third one on the road in the Premier League this season. But I don't think Liverpool have been defending that badly. Um, they still, I think they've conceded 14 in 16 games, which is still pretty it's the good. Best, yeah, over, the best in the, in the league, yeah. Yeah, over the, well, I think Leicester have conceded fewer. They've right. won about nine or ten. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you extrapolate that record over kind of 38 games, they would still concede around 30 goals, which yep. is still pretty good. But it is nice to get that. Um, and it wasn't easy today. Obviously, they've got no Fabinho sort of screening in front. Um Obviously, Lovren had to come off. You had Trent come off the bench. Um, so there's been a kind of a lot of change in personnel there. Obviously, Allison back in. His first clean sheet since he's returned from injury. Um, so it was really nice. It would have been frustrating if they conceded another late one and one free one. As much as you want the three points, it is, it's nice to feel like we can keep clean sheets again. Obviously, I think things were helped probably a bit by Bournemouth losing. Probably fair to say the two best players right at the either end of the pitch. Nathan Ake going off just before Liverpool scored and Callum Wilson going off later in the game. Um, but looking at that first goal in particular for, for Liverpool, it seems to be becoming somewhat of a trademark now. We've spoken so much this season about Trent Alexander-Arnold mm. whipping crosses in from wide and Andy Robertson on the other side. But from the Everton game and now this game, the centre-backs are liking dropping it just over the back of a, a back line and Ox was there to finish it off. Yeah, I wrote something about this this week about how Liverpool have sort of under the radar become a bit of a long ball specialist team, which it tends to sort of have negative associations. Yeah. You think of Tony Poulis, West Brom, Stoke City, but Liverpool do it in a really 
measured way. It's not just lumping a nameless ball up to a six foot five centre forward. It's kind of accurate passes into runners in behind. Um, and it, yeah, like you said, against Everton, obviously Lovren got the assist for a really second there. Henderson, when he came on, could have had two assists for Mane doing the same thing. He got the one today for Chamberlain with that same sort of diagonal over the top. And you just go back. Liverpool been using this really effectively for a while. I think it was a Salah goal. The second one against Man City came from Trent doing a big long yeah. pass to Robertson across the pitch. And even back to last season, Mane's goal um, at the Allianz Arena against Bayern was just Van Dijk doing a 70-yard pass onto his foot. The Champions League final again was Henderson just knocking it over the top into Mane. So it's clearly something they work on. Uh, it seems kind of basic in principle, but to get it right consistently. But um, against a difficult. side like Bournemouth as well, very much playing in a deep, low block, mm. hard to break down. With that forward line, someone like Roberto Firmino dropping off, I suppose it teases, when they clear the ball, it teases that back line into pushing up, I don't know, four or five yards extra, which then when the centre-backs get it, they know that ball's on. Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing is, even even if they don't get it right with the long ball and Liverpool don't win the first one, quite often what happens is the, the opposition will win a header or they win a knockdown and will pick up the pieces and then suddenly you're kind of on the edge of the final third and their defence is not set. So... It is a really effective one and I was so pleased to see Chamberlain score that goal because when the team news came out, I was hoping we would see something more like a diamond with Chamberlain maybe playing more central because I have always felt it doesn't really work with him in a front three, especially on the left-hand side. Klopp tried it quite recently against Crystal Palace and it just didn't work. I don't think he had a single shot, didn't create a single pass and I don't think he even won um, a single take-on in that game. He was basically just nullified from the start. Um, I don't think Chamberlain was necessarily his best today but to see him sort of arriving in that area uh, with a great finish as his fifth goal of the season so and obviously then from there Naby Keita everyone's spoken so much recently about how this is sort of the, the time for him he needs to come in and really implement himself now myself personally I've got a theory on it being that he's had so many recurring injuries and breakdowns that I think this time so much hot air effectively has been wasted on people asking Jurgen Klopp about Naby Keita. I feel he sort of felt himself that the next time he put him back in had to be the time he could rely on him to not break down again and actually get through a game and put in a decisive performance. I think he did that against Bournemouth. Obviously, he got the the second goal in the game, the one that probably put the game beyond Bournemouth and then obviously got the assist for Salah at the start of the second half. Yeah, it was basically a dream return. It's his first start in the league this season, um, which is mad when you think about it. And I think you're right to mention the injuries. That's definitely hampered him basically since he joined. There were periods last season where he looked to be getting a bit of form towards the back end of last season when he got three goals and I think it was five games and then pulled his groin at the new Camp away um, and didn't play again after that. And it's kind of been a similar story this season. Played against Arsenal in the League Cup and limped off there. Um, so I think that has played a part, but I also do think when he has been given a chance, more often than not, he just hasn't hasn't stood out really. Um, and it did feel like, you know, when you saw the team against Everton the other day and Milner and Alana are starting and you're yeah. thinking, he's basically seventh in the pecking order of midfielders, which you think 18 months after joining, having spent over 50 million on a player. Who and was, waited for him. Yeah, who was rated as one of the kind of must-have midfielders in Europe at the time, is a real disappointment. So he felt like there just has to come a point where he either stamps his mark and kind of has a run in the team or not and yeah I wrote something the other day about basically when he does get his next chance he has to he doesn't necessarily have to be man of a match which I think he arguably was today but he needs to at least show that he's kind of worth persevering with and I think 
yeah, to come away with a goal and an assist. And I think that gave him massive confidence. He was a little bit, a little bit on the periphery to begin with, but as soon as he takes that goal, um, he really grows into it. And that assist you saw in the second half was exactly like the clips you'd seen of him uh, at Leipzig on YouTube. So yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say before the goal, we were watching the game, not thinking all too much of him and. The ball goes into Salah and he, he sort of just wandered in there, got beyond the striker, lovely assist from Mohamed Salah. And then, as you say, it did seem to just bring him to life because before that, there'd been a ball I remember seeing in the midfield that went into him. He didn't check over his shoulder and as soon as he turned, I think it was billing straight onto him, won the ball back for Bournemouth. And as you say, second half, you're beginning to see the player that you saw against West Ham on his Premier League debut at Crystal Palace, even at Bournemouth last season. Yeah, it's been interesting seeing the goals Liverpool scored this week against Everton and Bournemouth like Liverpool obviously scored plenty of goals this season but we haven't scored loads of goals of that manner like the Shaqiri one the Cater one today where it's kind of a midfield runner just breaking the lines in behind and it was great to see him kind of arriving in that position because I think we've seen him in the past people had a perception of what Cater was going to be like when he arrived and people thought they'd seen kind of his long range screamers that he scored at Leipzig and it just looked a little bit safe uh, I think at times and people were a little bit underwhelmed by him um, but he did get a few goals towards the back end of last season and yeah to see him kind of arriving in that position and it was a really good finish I think kind of he made it look easy um, but that yeah that clearly kind of lifted him and I think after that he just he felt so much more comfortable uh, in himself and there's been such a variety of scorers for Liverpool of course this year but always one fam- familiar name on the score sheet being Salah but important you take out Salah today, two midfielders getting goals. Yeah, I guess it's been a consistent theme really throughout this season. Um, every Now that Cater's scored, every single midfielder in the squad has scored a goal, at least already. And they've, they've often been big goals. Henderson obviously got the equaliser against Tottenham. Lalana scored the equaliser at Old Trafford. Fabinho gets the one against Man City. Wijnaldum's popped up with a few. Milner's obviously ice cool from the spot as ever. Um, and Chamberlain again is a consistent goal threat. Um, and I think that is one of the biggest differences when you look at where Liverpool were trying to improve on what was almost kind of perfection last season where could they possibly take the next step and I think you've seen that this season and the squad is basically chipping in regularly with goals now um, Mane's obviously going at an unbelievable rate Salah not quite as much and Firmino definitely could do more but that load is sort of being taken up by everyone else and you see Origi and Shakiri giving their chance in midweek, both step up and score, and then Chamberlain and Cater back in the team today. Um, it bodes really well for the weeks ahead. That's the positives taken care of. The one negative today, Dayan Lovren coming off in even sort of in the first half of the game, Joe Gomez slotting in from right back, but now with Fabinho injured, there is a lack of depth there in the heart of defence. Yeah, it's not ideal at all. Um <laughs> It's funny, we were just saying beforehand, Joe Gomez has kind of gone from being a kind of squad option that we could bring in from time to time, perhaps as a sub late on in games, to possibly being one of our most important players over this period now because he's the only fit partner for Van Dijk. He's also probably the main cover for the fullback positions as well. So he really can't do with another injury there. Um, it's always been the case of Lovren that you just can't rely on his fitness. I think he's played really well since he's come back into the team. Um, but he just seems to kind of break down every five, six, seven games, you just don't get a consistent run with him. Um, there's no real update on when Matip's going to be back. Seems like that's fairly long-term. Fabinho was kind of a really effective cover option there last season. Um, and we're not going to see him until probably late January, I'd imagine. So you do wonder maybe there's a case to sort of do a 
Clavan type signing in January, sort of bring in a centre back who's not going to be necessarily there for the long term, but just fills a hole that we really need. Um, that will depend on kind of how long Klopp expects to be without Matip and Fabinho. But yeah, that is the one slight concern from today. Thought for a second you were going to say that it depends what Stephen Cook is doing, but uh, well, <laughs> that would be quite something. <laughs> yeah, so, back. yeah, definitely would. Uh, but in terms of that, it seems to be a recurring theme. Obviously, uh, last season the centre-back crisis happened around the turn of the new year. Liverpool now heading certainly towards Christmas. Um, well, we, we'll have to wait and see. Jurgen Klopp did say after the game that it, it was cramp, but whether that's him playing it down, we'll have to sort of see. But how he's dealt with the squad this week, I think can't really be looked past. 12 changes in the two games, seven against Bournemouth, five against Everton, and yet Liverpool win both games and, and win both games fairly easily much easier than we have beforehand and I think that's it's been such a huge four days because I think although the results in the league were obviously phenomenal there was a feeling I think after that Napoli game where we drew one all that it feels stupid saying something needed to change because we were playing so well but it did feel like we were sort of dragging players through yeah. um, it felt like we were just kind of pulling Salah through when his ankle wasn't quite right and you know the midfield without Fabinho started to look a little bit stale almost um, and that Everton game just felt like a massive sort of reset button everyone had forgotten what a good player Jordan Shakiri actually is um, and people kind of assumed that Klopp had given up on him but that's clearly not the case we've got a real reminder that Origi from the start can still be a really effective option and then to have Cater back in today Chamberlain coming in again it just feels so much more comfortable now heading into this period where you feel like you're not entirely dependent on just running that front three into the ground. Um, you feel like you can make five changes against Everton, seven against Bournemouth, and it's it's still the same Liverpool. The personnel change, but the results and the performances have just been, yeah, as good as you possibly could have hoped. And that was obviously early on in the day on, on Saturday, the 3-0 win over Bournemouth. That was a brilliant way to set up the weekend for Reds. What then happened in the Manchester derby? All right, Manchester United won, but... The caveat to that, Manchester City lost again. They did. It's the fifth game they've <laughs> lost, which is, I can't quite believe we're saying that, 16 games into a season. Um, and it, it is strange because the games, obviously aside from the trip to Anfield and we beat them, the games where City have lost generally haven't been where you'd expect of the drop points. Obviously, they had Norwich, Wolves, Newcastle, Drew against. Um, and yeah, this was one where you're thinking, oh, the Derby, obviously United, not in great form, but they've still got players who can hurt City. Um, but to actually see them lose at home in that manner. we Last season, they had the Derby towards the back end of the season, Liverpool fans thinking this could be one where they might drop points and let us back in. And they just won fairly comfortably. I think it was 2-0 in the end. And yeah, there's a, just a massive bonus again. Um, didn't expect the draw at Newcastle last week. Didn't expect them to get anything today, United. Um, and it was also it's not just the results it's the fact that they just haven't been playing that well obviously they kind of put pressure on towards the end and there's the occasional penalty shout but United for the most part look fairly comfortable um, now that the gap's 14 it feels crazy to say but you've got to start looking towards Leicester as the team yep. that we most want to drop points um, I think before the start of the season everyone would have said if we, if we finish above Man City we win the league Um Leicester are the biggest challenges as it is now they've still got to play City um, pretty soon but yeah that that's huge and I think 
as much as City aren't playing as well, Liverpool's form has got to be a part in that. They must just see us keep on winning every single week and it must be demoralising. I know there's so many games to go, but before the start of the season, I suppose the target was probably, you hit that 100-point mark, you know all but certain you're probably going to win the title. Liverpool, if they're going to make that, can drop 12 points. Even if they do that, City, no matter what they do, they can't catch them. That's the thing. If, if City won every single game for the rest of the season now, they're still going to finish on a lower points total than they did in the last two seasons. Um, Liverpool do have leeway. It feels it doesn't feel like that because we still feel like we've got to win every single game. Um, but yeah, the, the more that gap does increase, um, yeah, it doesn't take the pressure off, but you feel like you've got a bit more room for manoeuvre. And yeah, if, you, if you'd if you said at the start of a season heading into Christmas, you'd be yeah, 14 points clear of City at this stage and you'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, well, this has been recorded today, but Leicester have uh, got to go away to Aston Villa, which is not going to be that easy. Um, yeah. Villa have been tough, especially there. Liverpool found that out themselves. Um, and Liverpool obviously got to go um, and play Leicester on Boxing Day after the Club World Cup, which is feels like it could be a potential sort of title playoff game. Going to say, you said there, if you sort of speaking before the season about Leicester stopping Liverpool, Brendan Rodgers, of course, the man in the dugout, and he came so close to delivering that title <laughs> for Liverpool. He's now going to be the villain, I suppose. It's the plot twist no one saw coming. He, more or less, you could say, is the only thing stopping Liverpool from winning this league at the moment. Um, I, I quietly fancied Leicester for top four before the start of the season yeah. I did not expect them to be kind of ahead of City at this stage um, I don't think Liverpool need to worry I think if we were in Leicester's position as much as we're kind of looking down and we want that gap to increase eight points as it is is still a big gap for them to make up obviously they've still got to play us at their own place but I think Liverpool have just got to keep this sort of tunnel vision they've got and not worry about anyone else um, they've got Watford at home next which is another chance to make it 16 wins from 17 and they just need to keep on keep on rolling like that and not worry too much about what's going on around them and I think if you've been offered at the start of a season Leicester being your main challenges rather than City you would have taken that scenario Yes, spoiler alert Liverpool are going to be the Christmas number one this year that was confirmed with the win over Bournemouth last three times in the Premier League Liverpool have had that position they've not won it to finish as off Joel is this the year where things are perhaps going to change for the Reds? You've got to say so at the moment. I don't think it's done yet because there's still a lot of points to play for, but the rate that they're going at, uh, they just they seem to be so focused, so confident in their own jobs. Um, barring some absolutely unprecedented injury crisis and Leicester slash City going on a, a ridiculous run of form, um, it would take some drop off from here for it not to happen. Um, but I think, as most Liverpool fans would say, until until we're actually mathematically champions, um, no one's going to be getting ahead of themselves. But it couldn't have gone any better. Can see that smile etching its way across your face, Joel. But we'll round things off there then. If you want to catch more of Joel's writing, head to liverpool.com to do that. If you want more from the Blood Red channel, you can hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. And you can also catch us daily through our podcasts on Acast, on iTunes, anywhere you get your audio on demand. But until next time, thanks for joining us here on The Agenda. And it's bye for now. You've been listening to The Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.